Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the B-Sides Podcast here at Liberty Church Harrisburg. Alongside me is Matt Loyne. I'm Steve King. Matt, welcome to another week at the B-Sides. Always good. Always good to be here. And... Uh, yeah, happy Monday to you. Feels a little more like fall in the air this morning. Feels a little crisp today. October 18, yeah. 2021. That's right. And um, we're rapidly nearing the end of the book of Acts. We've got, uh, oh, five weeks or so, six weeks left in the series, uh, which is crazy because we, we actually started this series, Steve, back in February of right. this year. Took a break over the summer to do uh, Summer in the Psalms. And now um, we picked it back up in chapter 18 a few weeks ago. Now, uh, yesterday we were in uh, Acts 23, at least the maybe the last two thirds of, yeah. of Acts 23. Yeah, we, we've been in Acts for a long time. We have. Yeah, I, you know, there's maybe there's a joke to be made of if you're like we're gonna, we're soon nearing the end of Acts. If sure. There's someone in like the back row, about time. Like <laughs> someone would say that. Um, maybe there's a joke to be made there. I, but I don't. It hasn't felt like a long time. No, it, it hasn't felt like you could sit in a in a like sit in a book for most of the year. Maybe you get to a point where you're like. When we were in Judges, we were in Judges yeah. last, last year fall. for yep. not as long as yeah. Acts, obviously. Yep. But I think there was a, now maybe the content of Judges, there's like a, a yeah. weariness that gets felt like, wow, we've been in Judges for so long. Yeah. And the content is different. The yep. message is different. There's there's a, so it's a little more heavy yeah. in Judges well, compared to I Acts. I think of uh, even the year before, Ecclesiastes is even yes. shorter than Judges. That's right. And there were, I think there was like audible rejoicing the, right. from, the, from right. the congregation when right. we reached our last day of, of the right. book of Ecclesiastes. Right. Whereas Acts has a lot of, there's a lot of great narrative and story yeah. in Acts that it's almost, I don't know, maybe maybe no one else thinks this way. But like at the end, I'm like, oh no, Acts, give me more. Give me more of these stories yeah. of the gospel going out. Um, and, you know, yeah, more more of just there's adventure and there's yeah. um, there's cliffhangers. And there's like there's a whole lot in Acts that just... Um, Engages the mind, captures the attention, even more so, even more importantly, the work that God is doing yeah. um, in spreading the gospel. Yeah, that's right. So, no, that's exactly right. And then in each each week, even it's probably been noticeable for those of you that have been following along with us. Each week, there's you know a ton packed into the roughly chapter per week that we cover. So, if you really right. were doing, um, you know, you know, there's 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 um. I think of of John Piper's famous, you know, ten year series through the Book of Romans, where right. he took on he took on maybe like four or five verses a week, and they took a few breaks in there. But it, I mean, it took him a decade to get through. The I think book he of turned Romans. his whole church over in that. <laughs> I think he might have, <laughs> which uh, man, like, and and some pastors do that do that really well. Um, I I always think like, okay, there's there is the reality of a person's attention span. Um, there's a lot of just, I mean, you know, we're talking about the whole counsel of God. There's an Acts chapter 20 reference, right? There's a lot of, of the Bible to cover. If you spend 10 years of a church life, of an individual person in your church's life going through one book, mm. I, I, you know, that you, you could potentially be leaving a lot on the table from the whole counsel of God in sure. that too. Not to mention um, any more with the transience, culturally speaking, that we have in our day and age, the likelihood that you have the same congregation right. today that I have 10 years from now that actually was there on, on we, Romans 1.1 1, 1 to Romans 16, whenever whatever verse Romans So anyone looking for context there, <laughs> in February we'll be celebrating 10 years. True. So we have not yet finished Romans 
No. If we had started yeah. 10 years ago. If we if we launched Romans 1-1, <laughs> right. we would be like in like Romans maybe the beginning of 16 now. Sure. Like that's where we'd be. Right. Yeah. And I mean, we and yeah, we definitely do not have the same people. Some of, I mean, praise God, some of, uh, but by and large, um, not the same exact crew that we right. launched with. So right. that's right. It's good. Well, uh, yesterday continued in Acts, primarily uh, in Acts 23. Yeah. Um, Matt, start us off. You preached yesterday. Anything that's top of mind for you? We did not receive any questions this week, so let me just throw it out there. Yep. Um, get that, you know, for anyone who's waiting for the questions. Oh, what questions were asked? No one was submitted any questions. Always make sure you're, uh, you do that if you're willing and able to um, on Sunday afternoons or early Monday mornings. Um, send questions. We love them. Uh, did not get any this week. So, uh, Matt, anything that's top of mind for you coming out of preaching yesterday um, on Acts 23? I was... Um in studying Acts 23, I was just pleasantly surprised with, I feel like, how much depth and substance was there. Um, I, I, you know, I, I mentioned that at the beginning of the sermon yesterday, that it's, it's easy to see it as a transitional text. It's the, you know, it's the, it's the in-between times. It's, mm. the, it's the space between the end of Paul's second trial in front of the Jewish High Council. You know, the crowd, then the council. We looked at that the week before. Uh the rest of Acts 23 is kind of the transition of how he gets from the end of his second trial to the beginning of his third uh, before the governor, Felix, uh, there in Caesarea. So I even kind of came in, um, you know, uh, ahead of preparing last week thinking like, okay, well, this is a kind of a transitional week. Well, let's see what, if we can find some stuff that would be really helpful to people, um, to people who Liberty church from, from what's here. And I, I just was really pleasantly and gratefully surprised about, um, about the depth of what was there. It's an exciting story. You know, the, the near-death experience, the escape kind of under the cover of night, Paul sneaking right. out of uh, Jerusalem with, you know, I guess, I don't know if they were sneaking with 470 yeah. soldiers. Right. but It was pretty loud. It was pretty obvious. Pretty loud. Pretty obvious. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Um, yeah it's, that's a lot of people. But, uh, but yeah, just the um, – so I think that, that was just a real encouragement um, – to me and and several folks mentioned after the service yesterday how much it was to them as well, uh, particularly as it relates to um, you know Paul is in this imminent physical danger often throughout his his missionary life and career. Um, he's in imminent physical danger certainly when this plot against his life forms there in Acts twenty three. The parallel being for for anyone who is a follower of Jesus, for anyone who is as the Book of Revelation puts it holds to the testimony of Jesus, um, we are all in imminent spiritual danger. We are all in imminent danger from attack, accusation from Satan, uh, the enemy, the accuser of our souls. And so to see the parallel there and to kind of be uh, reawakened in a sense to um, just how imminent that danger is, because I mean, I, I think it's true for many people of liberty. I don't come from a well, I do originally come from a tribe that did emphasize much more spiritual warfare. Sure. Uh, but in, let's say, the last 20 years of my life, that's not the kind of crew that I hang out with most in kind of the broader, um, you know, Protestant evangelical culture that I'm that I'm in. Um, we don't talk a lot about spiritual warfare, spiritual forces of evil. Um, so to, to, to see that kind of be reawakened to that again about the imminent danger, I thought that was a particularly uh, helpful connection out of... Um, out of what I saw Paul yeah. going through in, in Acts 23. Yeah. Take us through again your three your three main points. Yeah. So there's, there's imminent danger. Yeah, so it wasn't quite a straight alliteration, but I did a it little play on words. It was eyes and D's. It was eyes and D's. So it was imminent danger. Right. 
Divine Intervention. That's what it was. Flipped yep. it around a yeah, little right, bit there. Right. And then Inscrutable Design. Right. That took that word inscrutable directly from Paul's letter to right. the Romans. Which is the uh, only Romans reason 11. we allowed you to use it. Because at that point, we're like, you're just looking. You're just getting the, th- the thesaurus <laughs> open at that point. But like, oh, wait, that came from. It's a bit, yeah, it's, okay. well, it's it, the English translation, and at least the yeah. English Standard Version that we that we use. Um, that's the word there. Right. So I felt like I was safe on safe ground there. there I wasn't, I wasn't stretching too much with the uh, yeah. taking Paul's word there. But yeah. 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 Take us through. Um, I mean, so what would be. What's then the the best way that any one of us, or even as, again, Bible studies this week, hopefully this is really helpful content for any one of our Bible studies, um, for discussion we're having, supplementing the guides that we already have, and, and creating some conversation. How in our Bible studies can we best talk about and help each other to see the imminent danger that we're in as Christians? So we're, we're walking through, it's kind of like, we're walking through our lives. Yeah. We're aware of maybe ways in which there's, we can think about the, the, we can imagine the church being persecuted or Christians being persecuted in, in our context here in central Pennsylvania, which many of us are living most of our, every minute of our lives here. Um, that's different than it would look like in other countries. Um, so is it, is it just about how we're being persecuted or, or pre- preparation for persecution no it's more than that you're saying there's also the spiritual battle that's taking place but how can we be enlivened to to just be aware of that more and what is that what's the implication of that for the way that we go about our lives practically yeah that's a great question uh, and especially if you don't come from um, a church tradition that talks about spiritual warfare um, I think that that we are often, you know, lulled to sleep and, and not aware of that stuff. I, I, so as you were talking, Steve, I, I thought of what Paul writes in second Corinthians chapter two, where he talks about not being outwitted by Satan for we are not ignorant of his designs. Mm. We're not ignorant of his schemes is one of the other translations of that passage, second Corinthians two 11. And as I was thinking about that this week, what does imminent spiritual danger look like? Um, you know, there, there certainly are other tribes of Christians that emphasize, you know, uh, a, a, an evil spirit, a demon kind of behind every circumstance in your right. life that like is is unfavorable. So like you, had a flat you mentioned tire. that yesterday. You said like yeah. there's a quick little quick yep. little side there. Let's not be prone to do that. Yep. Like I got a flat tire <clears throat> demon. It's like, well, right. I, I guess like it's probably we should we should have that category open to us. But we should also sometimes go. There was a nail in the road that was left there and it maybe didn't have like a direct spiritual warfare component to sure, it in that moment. Sure. So, um, but what are, so, so this, this verse from Paul, second Corinthians two 11, we're not, we are not ignorant of Satan's designs or Satan's schemes. What are his schemes? Well, um, I don't think this is an exhaustive list, but three primary tactics that, that Satan uses that I was able to mention yesterday, and I think would be a great place for Bible studies to pick up the conversation lies, temptation, accusation. So Satan is the father of lies. Uh, he will always try to get you to believe things that sound like they might be true, but are actually fundamentally in opposition to the way God's designed the world and what God would say of you as his image bearer. Yeah. Under, undermining truth in that regard. Undermining yeah. truth. Yeah. So lies. And so what are his schemes? What are his designs? Well, Satan will try to lie to you. Satan will try to tell you um, 
you know, even as he did with Eve and then Adam in the garden, That's right. yep. uh, you know, God doesn't <clears throat> care about you. Actually, why, you know, um, there, there's nothing wrong that will happen here. Like you can eat this fruit. You will not surely die. He'll, he'll twist, you know, the, the reality of things around in a way that seems even plausible, uh, but is, is completely counter to the truth that God has made known and revealed. So lies, temptation, um, and certainly, you know, temptation is also a matter of our flesh. It's our sinful desires. We have desires that um, that are warped in us. So, so temptation is not solely something that, like, like it would be too passive to say the devil made me do it on everything. I mean, it's mm-hmm. like Satan does tempt us to sin, and also we have desires that are out of line with with God's best and God's uh, revealed yeah. will for the our world. Flesh, and, our yep. flesh, That's just right. the world and the flesh and the devil. Those right. are the three enemies, right? So, um, so. But temptation, Satan, Satan certainly does use temptation as one of his schemes, one of his designs uh, to try to steer us away from the, the path in which we should, we should walk uh, following Jesus. So certain temptations for each of us, and that can be based on your history, your personality, all kinds of factors, certain temptations just um, continue to have an appeal long after they should. Like long, like long after, you know, you've, you already know that that, 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 exercising power that way, that accumulating more wealth or money or possessions this way, that lusting this way, like, you know, that doesn't satisfy. You've already been down that road Mm -hmm. and you know better. And yet there's still an appeal to that. And I think Satan would, you know, one of his schemes would be to just continue to, to, to make sure you see another opportunity to walk down that road and, and to, to kind of incite whatever is in you that still is, that finds that appealing to like incite that, to give you opportunity. Um, you know, and even some of the, the counselors that I've spoken to over the years, um, you know, a lot of a lot of sin plays out. Not all of it. This is too simplistic to reduce down to this being the, the, the totality of it. But um, most of us are opportunists when it comes to sin. Mm-hmm. Like we know better. We know things are not right and good according to God's word and design. Um, most of us uh, sin in weak moments when there's an opportunity presented. And where Satan's temptations come in is like that opportunity presents itself yeah. and you, and you see it. And like you, like you all, you're all of a sudden you're like, Oh wow, there's an opportunity here. Right. And I think that's where the, the two, the flesh and, and the Satan interact on, on that. So lies, temptation, and an accusation. Um, that is what Satan actually means in the original Hebrew language accuser. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so he is one who accuses. This is where his tactics and schemes are so wicked or so sinister. He will tempt you to sin and then when you do sin, when you're when you're down in that place, they accuse you and say, "See, you are unlovable. You yeah. are unworthy of the grace of God. You're unworthy of mercy and forgiveness. How could you have done such a thing?" And that's where it's so warped. It's mm-hmm. such a warped and wicked approach that that Satan takes there. And there are certain kinds, again, based on our history, personality, whatever, of accusations of, of condemnation. Yeah, uh, certain sins that you've committed in your life maybe even once like maybe even like it's one thing that you've done that like very few or nobody knows about and there is just a way that satan just will go will will like hold you down in accusation and condemnation about that one thing um or about that pattern that is continuing to exist in your life or whatever and just say look though like hey i know you're trying to follow jesus but like you can't and also um why would, why would he ever love you? Like you can't get your life together. Mm-hmm. Like you can't, you can't stop doing this thing that you hate yeah. you, or you can't start doing this thing that you know you should do, but you don't do. Yeah. Um, so 
again, I don't know that that's exhaustive, but I, but I think that's um, at least a good framework to use for like what are the schemes and designs of Satan. A great way to take that into your Bible study would be to even ask one another, like, are there certain kinds of lies that that are that are really um, that have power that, that like you're susceptible to believe? Are there temptations that you really do find appealing and opportunities that you feel like that's just where Satan gets you and baits you into that? Um, and are there accusations? Is there condemnation that he yep. that he just really uses to hold you down? Yeah, thank you. Th- thanks for unpacking that even more. That I think that's really kind of leads us. We can go in a couple different places with that. So imminent danger, divine interruption. Is that what it was? Intervention. Intervention. Yep. I mean, it's still an I word, right, so right, it counts. Right, you're like, I'm, you're I'm, the I'm learning. Ah, <laughs> oh, teach me, master. Um, <laughs> um, and the third one again was? Uh, was um, inscrutable design. Inscrutable design, that's right. Okay. So when I think about, why well, in my head I was mixing up the, the inscrutable design, and that's the design, we'll maybe get there, the design of what God's doing just, I mean, on the whole with Paul's journey behind here, the scenes, right? like even what, yeah, what you don't always get to see. Yep. Yeah. But let's, let's go, go to the, um, intervention. Is that what it was? What did Divine I intervention. Okay. You I said it. interruption. So intervention. Um, so we could go to a couple different places with this. I, as you're unpacking that, um, the imminent danger and the lies, temptation, accusation, it's, it's reminding me of the importance of our identity and reminding ourselves of our identity in Christ. So, I mean, many passages, but I'm thinking of even in First John, like um, how we're called children of God, therefore we are, right? So, yep. like so much of the our identity combats the lies, the temptation, and the accusation, even even more so. Think about like the parables of the, the lost son, like the, the yep. prodigal son who comes back. Like yep. so much of this is. The good news of the gospel, yep. the layers of the good news that there is, is that there's a new identity, right? We're even called. You have a new identity in Christ, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even Paul writes that, mm-hmm. um, that he has new identity. And so I'm just thinking, like, that's just a great reminder to us how the scripture just connects all this together, mm-hmm. how even our new identity in Christ combats truly the lies, temptation, and accusation of Satan. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. And that's where, um, you know, if if lies are the tactic of Satan, there's there's always a truth that's right. to combat it. Yeah. If temptation is the accusation, First Corinthians 10, 30, 31, there's God, you know, no temptation sees you except what is common to man. And when you're tempted, God provides a way out. There's yeah. always a way of escape. Sin is never inevitable. Yeah. So, uh, and then accusation, condemnation, um, you know, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. And yeah. all of that, like you're saying, gets down to the identity. All that even gets down to, um, I mean, two fundamental truths. And, and we talk about these all the time at Liberty, but like until we kind of, you know, can maybe get into a practical moment and then back back out to the big picture. I mean, there are two things that I come back to over and over again that make um, fundamentally all the difference in the world. And one is if you're created by God in his image, mm-hmm. the value and worth that that imparts to human life is just infinite. Sure. Infinite, inherent, um, well, not inherent, derived because it's the image, you're given the image of God. He gives it to you. God has inherent worth. We have derived worth because, mm-hmm. but he's given it to us in creating us. So you have it inherently in that sense. Yeah. But, um, and then the divine intervention Jesus Christ came into the world, right? Uh, you know, and and the whole idea that that God made us in His image, in perfection, in goodness, our sin corrupted all of that, 
And his response to that was to enter in. Yeah. I mean, that is what anchors our identity in, in, in Jesus, like in the worth that, that he gives to us and that he was even willing to pursue to, to bring us back from this thing that, that, that had corrupted it. But if you just got those two, like you're an image bearer of God because God made you and you are worth dying for because Jesus came into the world and took on flesh. Mm-hmm. Um, man, that, that will just combat a ton of those <clears throat> lies especially on the identity issue. Um, those will combat a ton of the accusations and condemnation. Like I'm too far gone. Yeah. Nope. Like that's, that's why he came into the world. Yeah. That is, that is, it's while we were yet sinners. It's at the depth of, uh, of our, of our depravity, you know, of our yeah. lostness. Um, it was at the depth of that, that, that Jesus came into the world for. Yeah. Just a plug for <laughs> a plug for our Bible studies and for our community. I'm feeling the, as you're explaining that, I don't know if I'm feeling the weight of it, but I'm just recognizing the dynamic, the dynamic um, nature of of this understanding in our minds. Encouraging any one of us that to to um, to push against this itself a lie. I think that arriving at this and therefore lies, temptation, accusation don't continue to 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 hamper us, weigh us down, attack us. Right. That's that's. That's kind of the point too of your message yesterday. It's it's yeah. reality for us as Christians. Um, this is my plug for Bible studies and community. Is like we, this is ongoing, yeah. you know. And so arriving, recognizing the truth of who God is and our um, our derived worth and value being created in God's image, our identity as a child of God, the good news of Christ entered into the world, become flesh, mm-hmm. um, our redemption into a reconciled relationship with God. Like the truth of that. And the beauty of all of that is truth and is beauty. Yeah. And yet, like, is something that we need to we need to fight for every day. We need to strive for every day in our sanctification and our love for God. Like, yeah. this is not just arriving in, at that truth is not going to remove the fact that Satan will lie and he will he right. will tempt and he will accuse. Yep. And so there is um, my my plug for our community is like, ah, oh, we need each other to do this. Yeah. My challenge to any one of us, myself included, is like, just let's, with love and kindness and grace for another, recognize that both these things, you will at times in your groups, much like I have in friendships with you, Matt, and others, like any one of us that are close friends with each other, and we want our groups to be growing in friendship, you're going to feel the tension of needing someone else to say Satan's lying to you, mm-hmm. Satan is tempting you, or Satan is accusing you. So yeah. Matt, I want to ask you where you experience that. At times I also am going to tell you where I think that's happening. Sure. You need this from me sometimes, just like I need it from you sometimes. And that's going to be uncomfortable for us. Yeah. Um because it kind of like inherently attacks that that accusation. If we we feel like we're actually being accused yeah. In our insecurity and our weakness, yeah. the way that Satan has accused us to create the insecurity and weakness. Yeah. And so there's a, that's hard. That's, yeah. I'm just, uh, yeah, this is like, we could go, no, uh, that's uh, open up maybe a can here. Like there's a whole lot in there to unpack me. I don't want to unpack it all right now. I'm not intending to, but just yeah. know my encouragement to any one of us is like, it's gonna, it's gonna be hard. We need to be held um, accountable out of love by those around us that know us and care yeah. for us. To tell us where Satan is lying, tempting, and accusing us. Yep. Um, and also, it's okay for us to like, with grace and kindness, bear with each other in that process 
It's not about arriving oh, yeah. at the belief that all that of, of what truth and beauty is. And therefore, oh, I don't need to worry about lies and yeah. temptation, accusation anymore. This is like at times daily, we feel a daily struggle, oh, but it truly yeah. is this. It is truly a battle that we're fighting throughout our entire lives. That's exactly right. Yeah. Those things don't just end. Uh, and in fact, even, even more so, I think Satan rages, you know, uh, the more time goes on, yeah. the more he, I think that's, that's really insightful, Steve. And the, you know, the glaring omission from that, from in the sermon yesterday in all of this is um, the, the desperate need for community to do mm. that. Oh, I don't think it was, it wasn't a glaring omission. I, I'm not suggesting well, that. Yeah. And I, I, sorry, I didn't mean that as like, a, it, we, it was, we didn't get to cover it. It yeah, wasn't, it sure. wasn't, in, okay. it wasn't really there in Acts 23 as far as like, here's the community that came around Paul and right. that. So it didn't kind of come up naturally, but that anytime you're going to talk about this topic, like and flesh it out further, like we're doing here, like you do in Bible study groups. So, I've heard pastors, for example, that First Peter five passage that um, you know to 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 be alert, be sober minded. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking yep. to someone to devour. I've actually heard. I don't know that Peter had all this in mind. Maybe when he wrote it, it's hard to hard to know. It's all speculation. But I've heard pastors unpack that text and say, "Well, how do lions attack people? Well, or how do they attack animals in the wild? They they don't att- like if a if a herd of like wildebeest or something stays together." They're a lot harder to attack because mm-hmm. they can kind of circle up. They can look out for each other. Lion pounces. Another one kicks it off. They want to divide. So they divide. Yeah. They try to isolate. Right. And in isolation, that's so mm-hmm. cert- whether or not Peter had that in mind about the roaring lion analogy in First Peter 5, I think what is true is another aspect of the tactics mm-hmm. and design of Satan is isolation. Sure. And I actually, heard a, I read a great article last week. I'm trying to remember the name of the author now. Uh, I would want to give credit where credit's due about one of the. So here's a scheme and tactic. Very relevant for this moment we're in. A lot of people are wrestling like whether or not to come back to gathered worship right now. Mm. A lot of people are wrestling whether or not um, do they even need to do gathered worship in physical with physical people anymore. As, as we're coming out of of a pandemic, out of pandemic, we're somewhat still COVID still happening. Right? Virtual yep, church sure. is a yep. thing now. Right. Almost every church has some <clears throat> online presence where you can yep. watch the service either live or recorded. Um, that hap- that, that, that changed the, you know, the accelerant of COVID sure. and the pandemic just made all of that technology and, and the availability of that accelerate like crazy the last yeah. 18 months. So, um, so the question is there like, well, maybe I'll just kind of stay at home. I don't have to go anymore. I can still kind of get, um, some of what I like about church and, you know, some of that at home, um, what, whatever it might be. So, but this pastor was actually talking about how there is just such a, there's such an isolating, um, an isolation that happens when you do not actually gather together with the yeah. people of God. And and I would say, you know, which includes both like the larger group gathering, like let's gather around the word of God and for the sacraments, but also like gathering in a place that you're actually known more yeah. than you ever possibly could be in the large gathering. Yeah. And if you're not gathering in those two ways, um, I think you are in many ways isolated. And I think that's where... Because the lies and the, and the temptations and the accusations don't just end magically at a certain point in your spiritual maturity, you can kid yourself later on in life to go like, well, I can go on. And I, you know, I've, I've, I've been in the church too long. I've been a Christian long enough. I don't really need Bible study groups. I don't really need yeah. uh, this stuff. And the reality is, is, man, you are overestimating yourself if that's your, if that's your perspective. Like yep. it's, um, we desperately need other people who know us, who are able to say in the moment, in the reality of what we're going through today, not what we went through five years ago, whatever, to say, hey, you're believing a lie here. You're giving into temptation here. You're not actually believing the gospel that there isn't condemnation for you yeah. in that. You know, that yeah. all of those things. 
It's good. Well, let's let's transition to the last the last portion here. Yeah. Um, talk about God's design, right? Your third point there at the end, and the design, you know, from from God's um, maybe maybe off time to say something like thirty thousand foot view or forty thousand yeah. foot view, just like His view is creator and sovereign yeah. over all of creation, right? Yeah. Even higher a view than we could imagine. Yeah. Um, He's leading Paul throughout this entire journey, just like he is any one of us in our lives, to something that we cannot see. Yeah. Um, what's the, what's the maybe the takeaway for us? Even just in it, I mean, boil that down as anything of that's an encouragement or an instruction for us of how we just we just have to appreciate and be grateful for God's sovereign leadership of our lives. Yeah. Yeah. And and we'll see it more in the rest of the book of Acts. I think it just struck me. Uh, in particular in this, you know, what otherwise can feel like a transitional text in the book of Acts, how much, again, this is a story about God's work in the world. I mean, it's a story about the early church and the apostles. That's what the book is named, Acts of the Apostles. But it's a work about what God was doing in the world through Jesus and all the ripple effects of that. that, I mean, the gospel was going out to the world and it was going to reach the ends of the earth and it is going to reach the ends of the earth. Uh, I think I just was really, um, I think you, you could probably on any given day, I'm, cer- I'm certain you could, step back and kind of perceive evidences of that and kind of look back through history and recognize, man, yeah. there's just ways that God has worked that no one would have suspected that like led to right. incredible things. I think about, you know, even Steve, my own, um, you know, on my dad's side, family lineage genealogy, um, where, you know, as my last name maybe indicates to people that no other Armenians were an Armenian family uh, that came over as a result of the Turkish people persecuting uh, and committing genocide against the Armenians um, started in the late 1800s and continued on into in the world war one. Um, so, you know, I can, so you like, there's, there's aspects of which through a certain set of lenses, you can look at that and go, um, well, why am I a, a, a Protestant pastor in the year 2021? Well, in some ways it's because, the Turkish people persecuted the Armenians. My family, just several generations back, fled, came to the United States. My great-grandfather converted from orthodoxy to become a Presbyterian minister. And then yeah. there's a lineage of, of faith that comes down the line there through through him. Uh, lineage of faith on my mom's side as well. But they're, they're more from like the northern European kind of regions there. So, um, But you, you can look at these things and go like, but like who could have orchestrated that? Like who could have, who could have orchestrated these different, these different pieces and designs? And I think that's where, you know, even in some ways we all could look at, man, Rome was so influential across most of the parts of the world that many of us came from. Yeah. Um, not all of us, you but many of us. Yeah, right, right. That like, there's, there's like some of us, no doubt in my mind, some people sitting in that room yesterday morning are Christians today, if we could trace it back, because these 40 fanatics, these 40 zealous Jews made an oath, tried to kill Paul and failed. Paul ended up, therefore, being accelerated on his journey all the way to the to the heart of the Roman Empire, ultimately meeting with the emperor himself in Rome. Yeah, that's beyond the scope of the Book of Acts. He's just at the at the end of Acts, he's just waiting there for that. But um, and that's and and that didn't even immediately lead to like the conversion of the empire. That's three hundred more years down that's the right. road. Right. Uh, it led to more persecution actually initially, including Paul's own martyrdom. But um, but this whole crazy way that 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 God is just working through all these different pieces. We don't see how they fit together, <clears throat> yeah. but we get to see these, sometimes these glimpses that they do. Fit right. Together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There's a good, um, uh, a good book called the grand weaver, um, hmm. written by 
Robbie Zacharias, hmm. which I know for some might be a, a controversial author at this point. They his save his that. man, his content and Contest stuff over the terrific. years. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. We'll we'll save save that for a different podcast sure. for a one off podcast maybe. Yep. Um, but I loved that that book and his yeah. the reason he titled it Grand Weaver is um, he's, he used the metaphor of and I'm gonna I'm I'm, I'm not gonna remember the machine is it a, is it a loom. What is it that Probably. make yeah. a tapestry on? I haven't read that one, but okay. I'm guessing that's, that would make sense. It sounds like there should be a, a better word than that. Uh, there's more of a fancy word that I'm forgetting. But I think what we really need to, to, to recognize here is you need to pick up weaving. More weaving. Often. I need I more, that more needs weaving. To be I'm more doing a lot of, of basket weaving. Mm-hmm. I need Good. more tapestry weaving. That's, okay. Uh, um, so um, I'm not doing any basket <laughs> weaving. Um, so anyway, the, his, his, his reason for calling his book The Grand Weaver and God looking back is like the person who's sitting at the loom Right, feeding like you have the son who's feeding the cloth into his father, who's creating the room in, the, in these markets in India, creating these beautiful tapestries. Hmm. Even the son who's feeding the cloth has no idea huh. what's happening. He all he knows he's putting it in. Yeah, and and even as you're watching, like what is what in the world could this person be making? But it's only in the mind huh. of of the one who's designing and weaving these the, this cloth together. Huh. And it's not till after it's made that you go like, oh, I see how this is being put together. And truly, there's it's only the mind of the creator. Yeah, that's good. Um, it's a great analogy. And I, it's a great analogy. Um, it's a good book. Um, yeah. But just about like. Truly, God is this grand weaver. Yeah, in in His mind, yeah. which we cannot comprehend, is designing all of where our lives are leading. Yeah, and it's impossible for us to like look forward and try and figure it all out. Yeah, um, I think it should drive us to this to humility and gratitude, just to look back. Hmm. I'd even say the hard things that happen to us in life, whether that's persecution or sin, sure, um, or struggle. The things that happen, you know, in our lives, we can look back. I've I've experienced in my life going, I'm not grateful for all the things that have happened. That's right. I'm grateful for the way that God has used those things. Yeah. And I hope I always am even more grateful for the things that God is using from the experiences we have. So that's well I mean, hopefully that's a hopefully that's an encouragement. Um Matt, any any closing words? It doesn't have to be. Oh yeah. man, that's like the moment where I put you on the spot for like no, a really that's... profound close. But like any final things that should be top of mind for us as we Bible studies meet and consider uh, as we're moving moving through Acts. Yeah, I, I, I mean, certainly as you start your study this week, pray for the Holy Spirit to lead and guide your time and discussion. If I could give an encouragement, um, there's other times in Scripture, I think, and in Acts even, that we'll get to talk more about the inscrutable design of God. It felt important to 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 recognize how that was playing out in Acts 23. But I think you could very easily, depending on how cerebral your group is, get hung up on spending like your entire time this week talking about that. I would say, um, because we don't get to talk about it near as much, if I could encourage you in your studies this week to really lean into imminent danger and divine intervention from the imminent danger. Yeah. Spiritual danger, the lies, <clears throat> the accusations, the, the temptations of Satan. Where do you experience that? How can your group even be praying for each other? Uh, if you want to open up Ephesians 6 and talk about how we don't war against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places and talk about even how to pray against spiritual warfare and Satan's lies. I mean, like do, do that with each other. If I could encourage you, um, don't get hung up on like a real, you know, um, c- cerebral kind of theoretical discussion about the, the, the design of God. I love those discussions. I say that as much to, to myself as anyone else. Cause I could spend the mm, entire time yeah, with my study this week talking about that. But, uh, for my guys, any of the guys in my study who are listening, I'm going to, I'm going to try to drive us a little more toward 
toward uh, imminent danger and uh, divine intervention. Oh, boy. Everyone's calling out sick in your Bible study this week. <laughs> like, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Matt, Matt accessed his, his Wesleyan roots and talks about spiritual warfare more again. Here we go. Here we no, go. That's a, good, uh, that, that's a good challenge. Like, it, it does help us get, get, out of the, get out of our minds, get practical, and get into some, some of the practical ways we can really encourage each other, hold each other accountable, love one another. Um, yeah, that's a good word. It's an encouragement. That's all I got. It's good. Well, hey, thank you everyone for listening to the B-Side podcast this week. Always remember to send us questions on Sunday afternoons, evenings, and uh, no later than Monday mornings. We love receiving questions and talking about them on the podcast each week. So thank you for joining us. Uh, Matt, thanks for being here again today. Everyone enjoy the rest of your week. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources and information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, harrisburg.org.